Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khan Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. So last week, we spoke all about the intro to the delegation dip. This is where I introduced this new concept called the delegation dip, which is the dip when owners or directors start delegating something very specific or tangible to their team members or employees. There is a 30% decrease in efficiency and productivity during that time frame. The dip will typically last anywhere between three to six months, depending on the task or project or whatever it is you're delegating, sometimes even longer than that. Sometimes it could be up to a year. And so during the dip, there are three things that owners or directors typically do during this time frame. They micromanage, they neglect, or they fire too quickly. During the delegation dip, during that time period, when you have delegated something to someone else, that time period, when there's the 30% decrease in how it's done to your standard or to company standard, the director or owner needs to expand their capacity to sit in that discomfort, to sit in the discomfort of the task not being done at the highest standard so that the employee or the teacher can actually level themselves up and start doing it to the company standard and possibly even better than you did it. So last week we spoke all about micromanagement. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, definitely go back and listen to the first part of this series on micromanaging. Today, we're going to talk about the second thing that owners and directors typically do during the delegation dip, which is neglect. Now, one of the definitions of neglect in the workplace is a prolonged lack or absence of supervision and control of organizational development. Okay, so I'll say it one more time. Neglect in the workplace is a prolonged lack or absence of supervision and control of organizational development. Okay, and so when there is prolonged neglect, it leads to a lot of harmful interaction between management and their staff. 
in an organization that is plagued by neglect, relationships between all of the people on the team start to become about game playing and distrust. There's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of name calling. There's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of like, you didn't do this and you didn't tell me and I didn't understand. And this, like that wasn't communicated to me properly. And I, I assume that you were talking about this. There is a ton of that that happens in the organization. So let's look at an example that happens inside of schools, which is very, very common. I'll call her Donna. Donna was a really generous and kind owner, and she was in the process of a multi-site acquisition. And because she was in the process of it and she knew that she was going to be kind of overcommitted, maybe a little bit of an understatement of what overcommitment would look like, she hired a regional director to lead and take care of the other three locations as she was entering this really big season of acquisition. And so the regional director that she hired was Jenny. Now, Jenny was super smart and capable, okay? She knew how to do all the things. She needed very little training on like the how-to of what she was doing. And so because Donna was so overcommitted, she didn't really train or give over a lot of the information to Jenny in a coherent expectation. This is how we do things in our company standards way. And so what started to happen was as Jenny took on all of these tasks, she didn't have clarity into, okay, how is this actually done in this school? I know how this is done in the previous school that I worked with or whatever it is, but how is this done here? What is the standard? How do we communicate? Is this done this way? How do I enter this system into here? How do I inform you about things that are happening? When do I make a decision? When do I not make a decision? When do I have to manage up, as I call it, inside of our Owner's HQ program? Directors and regionals need to know how to manage up. It is using discernment to, this is a question I need to ask Donna versus this is a question that I can actually have permission to make a decision on my own. Donna didn't go over any of those things with her. She literally said, here are the reins, make sure these centers operate efficiently, take care of them, I'm going into this acquisition. Now, the challenge with that is it's neglect. It is actual neglect. Jenny was neglected by Donna. Now, again, they're both amazing people. Donna is a generous, kind, incredible human being. She didn't intentionally neglect Jenny. She was overcommitted and completely over her head that she didn't realize how the process of delegating these important projects and standards and tasks needed to be delegated to Jenny. So she just gave it over to her because Jenny presented it herself as a person that was highly competent, highly capable, super smart, very wise, lots of experience, right? She had the whole resume, the run of the gamut. And Donna's like, this is amazing. I don't need to train her now. And so I know so many of you are hearing this and saying, yes, like that is what I want. But here's the thing. Yes, you want someone super competent, super capable, just understands how to take over the reins. And what that does is it shortens the learning curve of the how-to. So think of it in the context of sports, for example. When someone is coaching little league sports, they have to teach them everything, not just how to like throw the baseball or catch it or run from first base to second base. They also have to teach them the basics of like sportsmanship and how to lose and how to be a graceful loser and how to pass the ball and how to not hog all the field time, right? They have to teach them all of these like super basic things. But when you're coaching Olympians, the coach who's coaching Olympians doesn't need to teach them, okay, here's how you kick, you know, here's how you score a goal, right? Here's how to, you know, do a three-point shot. They don't need to teach them how to do that. They are Olympians, right? They don't need to teach them how to do their sport. 
They need to coach them how to get out of their head. They need to teach them how to get into the flow state. They need to work on their mindset, right? They need to help them work on the next 1% level. That is what they're coaching. So when you're hiring high level people like Jenny was, they're Olympians. The challenge is, is that for many owners, when they hire Olympians, they use that as permission not to coach and train and guide because like, this is amazing. I hired Olympians. I don't need to train them. Yes, you do. Training just looks very different. Training doesn't look like here's how to send an email attachment. Here's how to upload this into CRM. Training is here's how we do things in our company. These are our values. This is how we have these conversations. This is what passion means inside of our company. It's a totally different level of training. But Donna didn't do that. She neglected Jenny. And so what happened was is Jenny fell into a self-fulfilling prophecy where she actually couldn't manage all of the stuff that were going on because she kept making mistakes because she didn't understand her role. So in severe cases of neglect, relationships are completely dysfunctional. The reciprocity vanishes and self-preservation becomes the name of the game. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time because I really want you to understand because that's exactly what happened in the previous example. In severe cases of neglect, relationships become so dysfunctional that reciprocity vanishes and self-preservation becomes the name of the game. So I want you to think about this for a second. Are you in a relationship with some of the members of your team or staff where there's no reciprocity? reciprocity is actually something that should feel natural. When someone does something beautiful for us, we want to reciprocate that. It's part of our humanity. It's reciprocity. But when there is neglect, when the person doesn't feel seen, heard, valued, like, oh my gosh, are you going to take care of me here? Like, is there some semblance of like leadership and accountability? Self-preservation becomes the name of the game because All I need to do is survive. I need to put my head down. I need to do my work. I need to get out of here. You cannot think of reciprocity when you're in survival. When someone is drowning and someone comes to save them, they are not thinking about reciprocity. They are thinking about, get me out of the water. I can't breathe. So neglect in the workplace, what we need to understand is it doesn't arrive from like one day you're not neglecting and the next day you're neglecting, right? No. Neglect is over periods of time, again and again and again, the same pattern repeating itself. So think of it again in the context of parenting, right? Because I I think parenting and leadership in schools have so much uh, similarities to them. Children are going to do amazing with good enough parenting. I always say this to myself and I always say this to all of my friends. Children need good enough parents. They don't need perfect parents. They don't even need excellent parents. They need good enough parents. What does it mean to be good enough? Well, everyone has their own definition. But for me, when I think of good enough parenting, I think the 80-20 rule is 80% of my interactions with my children, loving, attentive, kind, generous, forgiving, um, benevolent, just just curiosity is 80% of my interactions that and 20% of my interactions are possibly like, hey, go do this. Stop bothering your brother. Don't take care of this, right? Please go brush your teeth. No, you have to go study for your test now. We're, you know, pack your suitcase. We're going to like, what is my interaction? So are parents sometimes going to neglect their kids? Of course they are. Are parents sometimes going to be on their phone and distracted when a child is asking for something? That's neglect. The child's asking for you and you're ignoring it because you're on your phone. So the difference is, is that One or two times when that happens or a couple of times when that happens in relation to the 80% of the time that you're showing up with love, that doesn't impact the child. 
that's not where the negative impact comes from. The negative impact of neglect comes from years and years, day after day, hour after hour of neglecting a child's basic need, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual needs. That is where neglect comes from, right? That's where the child grows up feeling like nobody cared about me. It doesn't come from one or two times where the parent was distracted. We all get distracted. You're human. You are beautifully humanly flawed. You're going to get distracted. You are not going to respond to every single one of your children's needs, nor do you need to. So the same thing is in school leadership. You don't need to respond to every single one of your teacher's needs. That is not the recipe for retention. That is not the recipe for delegation. The dysfunctionality comes from prolonged neglect again and again and again when your teachers or leaders need something you are not emotionally mentally available because you are yourself in self-preservation children who go up in dysfunctional homes are growing up in homes where parents are emotionally immature emotionally unavailable emotionally don't have capacity to be present for their child's emotions needs whatever it is. And so teachers that are working inside of organizations where the leader doesn't have capacity for generosity, for openness, because they're in self-preservation, that's where neglect starts to manifest itself. So let's talk about what are some of the signs that you'll notice that, whoa, I might be showing some signs of neglect. And then we'll talk about how you can start fixing that. So I want to take a moment here to pause for a second because these are big concepts, right? When we talk about this concept of the delegation dip, which I created, and we talk about the three things of micromanagement, neglect, and firing too quickly, the reason why I created this framework is because this happens all the time. You're not alone in this. I've been through this cycle. Other school leaders have been through this cycle. People are going to go through these cycles because As humans, and especially as school leaders, the stakes are really high for what we're building. We're building these legacy empires that will impact generations to come. And so we see things not done a certain way that we want them to be done because that's part of our vision and our mission and our values. We get very committed to it. We're like, oh my gosh, no, you have to do it this way, right? Like the tablecloth has to be put on this way and you need the yellow linen over here and you need like the purple Play-Doh on this side. And it's all coming from this beautiful place of like, we want it to be amazing for the kids. And at the same time, we need to take a pause and ask ourselves, are we really staying in alignment, right? Are we creating that ebb and flow of what typically happens inside of leadership? So let's look at some examples of neglect in the workplace. The first example is an imbalance of interdependence, okay? Healthy relationships are about interdependency, where we need each other, we help each other, but we are also fully independent, capable people that have the capacity to do things on our own. I'm going to say that again. Healthy relationships are interdependent. We need each other, we help each other, and we both have capacity to take care of ourselves and do things on our own. To function properly, schools require clear direction for individuals on the team and for the entire company as a whole. So sometimes school leaders will provide kind of this approximate idea of what the company culture should look like. But when we don't outline how individual roles apply to the type of culture that you want to design, now I don't have the right direction. Now I am at the mercy of like, I don't know, whatever's happening around me. So sometimes leaders think like, oh, you know, it's okay if I didn't give them like the specific direction of how this is done. Like now you'll be independent. You'll figure it out. No, 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 no. No. When you leave people to figure it out, they create the stories inside of their head. 
So think of it again. I know I'm talking a lot about parenting, but think about this again. When a child is struggling with their emotions or their behavior and they're lashing out and they hit their brother or they bit their brother and now they're being sent to their room. What is happening in their room? The child is trying to make sense of their behavior. Their child is trying to figure out like, okay, I was left to my own devices here. I had some really big emotions and then I bit my brother and now I'm being sent to the room. Like, okay, why is this happening? The two most common things that children do when they're over there is self-blame and self-worth. They start challenging their self-worth. Am I good enough? Am I enough? All of those sentences, or they start going into self-blame. It's all my fault, blah, 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 blah. So what happens inside of schools is very, very similar. When teachers don't have clear direction and there isn't this healthy interdependence, teachers start to fill in the gaps inside of their head. Oh, I'm not worthy of this position. I'm not good enough to do this. Other people are better than me. Oh, it's all my fault that this happens. I should be ashamed of myself for actually making that mistake. And they start to fill in the patterns and the stories inside of their head. When someone feels like that, when someone is full of shame and neglect, and embarrassment and not enoughness, guess what? They quit. Why would anyone want to go to a workplace that makes them feel like that? But here's the thing. No school leader is intentionally trying to make their teacher feel unworthy or full of shame. The same way that no parent or the vast majority of parents are good people. They are not trying to hurt their kids. Parents love their children and they lack the emotional capacity and emotional maturity and skill to actually navigate the giant emotions and dysregulation that young children have. And so in leadership, many, many teachers come into the workplace with dysregulated nervous systems, with emotionally immature brains, with a lot of their own baggage. And we feel so incapable and so out of capacity to deal with that and likely so like it is hard it is so difficult to deal with 20 people's stories but the challenge with that is is that we can continue to say like i don't have time for that i can't deal with that I don't have... okay and you can continue hiring and firing and hiring and firing and hiring and firing or being exhausted and exhausted and overworking and overfunctioning and underperforming Or we could start to reckon with like, what is going on here? What is happening here? This is what we do inside of our directors and our circle and our owners HQ program. Like this podcast, this is not about tips and tricks. What I'm sharing with you is not tips and tricks. I am up leveling your awareness to what is happening inside of your center. I am up leveling your awareness to what is happening inside of your school, what is happening inside of yourself. So some of the examples of neglect inside of schools is an imbalance of interdependence. So let's look at another example. When you're an owner and you are up-leveling a teacher into a director role, you need to understand the difference of the mindset of a teacher and the mindset of a director. One of the first trainings that we have our directors do inside of our director's inner circle are the five mindsets of the school director. Why? Because as a teacher, one of the mindsets is multitasking. When you are a teacher, multitasking is a necessary modality for survival. Here's why. When you are putting on little Johnny's coat, you cannot tell Sam, wait your turn. I'll get to you when I'm done, you know, zipping Johnny's coat. No. When you're zipping Johnny's coat, you are also looking at Sam and talking to him or helping him soothe whatever Sam came to you with. You don't just zip Johnny's coat. You're also talking to Sam. You're also listening to what your co-teacher is saying that she's exiting the room right now with six kids. So you have to immediately have your eyeballs on the other six kids. Multitasking is critical 
for being a teacher in a classroom, especially in a toddler room or the preschool rooms. Multitasking as a director, kiss of death. Multitasking as a director, kiss of death. When a director is trying to enter CRM code or doing a software transition, and at the same time, she is trying to soothe a teacher who is very upset. Guess what's going to happen? She is going to make a million mistakes. She is going to be overwhelmed and frustrated and going to lead to the highest levels of burnout. You cannot enter CRM code or do software transitions or try to enter data or try to plan the Christmas party while you're trying to calm a teacher down. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so as an owner, you have a responsibility to coach and guide your new directors because 90% of directors were teachers. Do you know that? It's even over 90%. So the vast majority of school directors were once in the classroom, which means the very skills that help them be the superstar teachers are the very skills that are going to lead to their demise as directors. Because the new directors need to understand that what serve them as teachers do not serve them as directors. This is part of delegating. When you delegate tours, CRM, whatever, you have to provide this level of coaching and direction. One of the things I remember when I was an executive director and I was coaching my assistant director, she was going to start taking over tours. I said, listen, when you give a parent tour, here is what you're doing. You are giving a parent tour which means you are not doing anything else but giving a parent tour. So anything that your eyeballs see or hear or your ears hear during the 20-minute tour or 30-minute tour, you write it down on your clipboard or you make a mental note of it, however your brain works. You do not do anything else but give a teacher tour. She's like, sure, I got you. Yes, totally understand. So then I observed her because part of delegating is you need to do role modeling and coaching and hip to hip coaching. So I am observing her while she's giving the parent tour because in the process of delegating, I need to make sure that she is doing the tour at the level that we want it done inside of our center. Okay, so I'm observing her. I'm standing from behind. Again, I'm not like on top of her, right? Like I'm from the distance. I'm taking notes. I'm watching her body language, her facial expressions, her interaction, how she's talking to the parents, right? She was doing a group parent tour. She comes into one of the classrooms and she is explaining. She's like showing the parents like she's, I don't know, three-year-old classroom. I can't remember which classroom she was in. And on the way out, she turns to the teacher and she's like, by the way, you need to clean up the counter here. It's like super cluttered. So I jotted it down. And she did like a couple of other things that she mentioned to teachers, like, you know, during the tour. And she comes back for feedback in my office after the tour. And she's like, it was amazing. I did it. Like, I only gave the tour. Like, I didn't do anything else. Like, she was so proud of herself. So I had to gently bring awareness to what she actually did. So I gave her a ton of feedback. She did a phenomenal job. She closed, I think it was like 80% of the tour she had closed. They right away, like, signed up immediately, registration. And then I sit down and explain to her that commenting to a teacher that she needs to clean her clutter while you're doing a parent tour is not okay. And here's why. Because when you do that, all the teacher hears is shame and embarrassment. Because now the parents think that she's a slob because there's clutter everywhere. So now she's embarrassed. The director is thinking like, oh, whatever. I just told it to her quickly. No, no, no. But you know what? If you actually went to her and told her something about the clutter, when you weren't doing a parent tour, you would have chosen different words. You would have chosen a different tone of voice and you would have done it with a lot more eye contact. When you multitask and you are trying to do all the things, you are hurting people in the process. You are running people over, right? She didn't even realize 
right? And so when I gently explained her, she's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize. Like, it's okay. It's okay not to notice. That's the beauty of coaching. That's the beauty of mentorship. I am here to guide and show you the version that you could be, right? What is possible for you? So when we don't do that, we are neglecting our teams. When we don't explicitly train and coach our directors on how to do this, you are not only neglecting the director's capacity to learn these skills, you're actually neglecting the teachers because now the teacher feels like, why are you commenting on my counters while you're giving a parent tour? So again, these seem so simple, but I'm telling you, people are doing this all the time. They are running people over and not realizing it because they are running and chasing their tails. Let's look at some other examples. So let's look at some examples of how we begin to course correct neglect. How do we start to not neglect, but also not micromanage? So one of the core things, one of the core strategies of moving away from neglect is incorporating feedback. So one of the coaching calls that I do with our clients inside of our Owner's HQ program is a leadership call. And these are super fast-paced, 20-minute power calls where the entire leadership team gets on a call to be coached on a specific challenge inside of their school. And one of these calls, one of the directors was struggling with neglect of the toddler class. The toddler class was really struggling with transitions. There was a lot of behavioral issues. There was biting. There was a lot of other behavioral issues. And the owner was really growing weary of a lot of the parent complaints that kept coming in. But the director was terrified to micromanage. So instead, she chose a hands-off policy, and I'm doing air quotes, trusting her people to figure it out on their own. So she had told me, she's like, I don't want to micromanage. I don't micromanage. She's like, they're going to figure it out. Like, I, it's okay. Like, I have a hands-off policy. I always laugh internally when I hear these things, because really what it means is I just can't be bothered. I don't trust my 12-year-old to figure out how to get to school every day. Okay, that is beyond his skill and capacity. It is my job as a parent to get my child a ride or drive him to school every single day. Your teachers don't always have the capacity to figure it out. They need our loving guidance and support. They do, especially teachers that are brand new to the toddler room or new to your center, or they are new to a different season of life. So this is another thing I want to talk about. And I know this episode is getting long. And for those of you that are still here and hanging out with me, kudos to you. I want to talk about new to a season because this really, really manifests itself in neglect. So, so many times when I'm talking to directors, I'm talking to owners, they're like, no, this person isn't new to the toddler classroom, right? They, I don't know, they've been a toddler teacher for 10 years or, you know, they're not new to our school. They've been in our school for five years or whatever it is. Here's the thing that we need to understand about human development and life really in itself. We are constantly new to a new season of life that we're entering. So someone might have a decade of experience working inside of the toddler classroom, but they are in a new season of life, right? They might have just had a child or they're just navigating a divorce or their parent just died or they have an uncle who's really sick in a hospice or their mother is going through something inside of like her own family of origin or whatever it is. And so now this teacher is in a new season of life. And so in this new season, what she had capacity previously for, she no longer has capacity for. This is why one-on-ones and consistent conversation and relationship building is critical to the lifeblood and sustainability inside of your organization. Because you're constantly working with people. People develop and grow and evolve. Your 20-year-old who came to you when they were 20, and now she's, you know, she's been in your center for 10 years. Now she's 30. Guess what? A lot happens in a decade. 
especially from 20 to 30. She is more emotionally mature. She is more evolved. Maybe she got married. She might have two kids. Life changes, capacity changes, financial situations change. And so just because someone had capacity at one season of life, it doesn't mean that they have the skill set or the wherewithal to do it right now. And this is where loving guidance and coaching comes into play, where the leader is available both emotionally and heart-wise to be there for the team, which is a whole separate conversation on why directors cannot be busy in their office, why you have to minimize the amount of projects and tasks and stuff that your directors are doing. They need to be with the staff. They need to be observing. They need to be taking notes. They need to be role modeling. They need to be coaching because teachers are evolving and they're constantly entering new seasons. So what does that look like, right? What does that actually mean practically? Well, we need to incorporate feedback. When I was on this conversation, on this leadership call, I said, listen, teachers don't always have the capacity to figure it out. They need our loving guidance and support. And so what does it mean? Loving guidance and support doesn't mean giving them the answer. It doesn't mean giving them advice. Advice and giving them the answer is the lowest form of coaching. Questions and space for feedback is the most loving and guiding way to give support. And so at the end of the day, do quick daily standups with the toddler team. What's a daily standup? What worked? What didn't work? What was missing? What was confusing? What worked? What didn't work? What was missing? What was confusing? Help them become more self-aware. When you ask them, so what do you think was missing from the transition? It invites them to actually think, what was missing? I don't know. We didn't do a song this time. Or we didn't have like, you know, enough of a heads up. Okay. Help them become more self-aware. Guiding them develops the muscle of metacognition. Metacognition is where you can think about your own behaviors and thinking. This is what advocacy is, not neglect. Neglect can lead to advocacy. There's a lot of people who are severely neglected as kids and they become huge advocates of their life. Yes, absolutely. But that can also be a very harsh teacher on us. It's also traumatic at times. We don't need to neglect people for them to figure it out. We can provide loving guidance, support, and coaching. What's another strategy we can do? Remaining consistent. Consistency within the leader is the foundation of trust for the team. Making decisions based on good advice. Making decisions based on good advice and your own personal authority. Authority is not control and dictatorship. Authority is when you trust your decision making. Authority is not control and dictatorship. Authority is when you trust your decision-making. You establish trust with your employees. They are comfortable following someone trustworthy who is consistent and has their own level of authority and leadership. Another thing, maintaining confidence. A leader who guides through strong communication and genuine confidence, not arrogance. The near enemy of confidence is arrogance. It is so close. Confidence and arrogance are like touching each other. Good leaders trust themselves and their ability. Good leaders trust themselves. Before you could trust your people, you need to trust yourself. Leaders set standards for the work company culture. They set the attitudes of professionalism, confidence, and authority, which generates an amazing collaborative culture. So let's bring this all together here. Like this was like super intense, a lot, a lot of reflection. I really, really hope that you took the time to take some notes to hopefully go back and re-listen when you can if you're driving or doing something else. Neglect is a very powerful um, strategy that a lot of people are employing without recognizing it. They don't realize that they are employing this strategy. So if this episode resonated with you and you're like, I don't want to do this. I want to be a good leader. I want to be a great leader. I want to be a leader who's there and supporting and guiding my people. 
and you are looking for support and coaching and seeking group leaders to do this with along your journey, then I would love to invite you to join us in our Directors Inner Circle or in our HQ program, right? This is Schools of Excellence signature program that supports leaders in building and sustaining their schools of excellence. The link is in the show notes to apply. This is by application only. We only accept a certain amount of people at a time because we really support your personal journey. So that's a wrap for today. Last week, we did part one, which was micromanagement. Today was part two, a neglect. Next week is the final episode in the series of the delegation dip, which is firing too quickly. All right. Thanks so much for joining me and I'll see you next week. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.